Hey, this is Shelly Zan, and this is the Impact Over Influence podcast. I hope that you receive whatever it is that God has for you today. Okay, everybody, we're going to kind of stay on the roll here with our whole contending. If you haven't heard the other two and you're diving in today, I just want to kind of reiterate what that word is. It's to, when the Bible says we're to contend for our faith, it talks about that in 2 Peter, and it also talks about that in Jude, right before Revelation. So we've been in this whole, like, I'm supposed to contend for my faith. My faith is not going to always be easy. Um, I do have an adversary and an enemy that is trying to take my faith, my flesh, wants to walk away from my faith because I want to be comfortable. And so as we go through all these things, um, I I mean, it's just been really eye-opening for me to know that we're supposed to struggle against the fact that our faith is trying to be shaken and taken. And so today, this podcast, this episode is going to encourage you. I know that it is because we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about one of my favorite people in the Bible. I don't want to say character because that makes it sound like we're in this fairy tale book and we're not. Um. But Peter is who we're going to be talking about. Peter was a disciple of Jesus Christ. He was top three, man. Like Peter, James, and John, he was there. Peter's personality was bold. I mean, he was a fierce guy. He was a hard worker. Um, In the midst of getting himself in bonds, he could work his way out of it. He was self-control, self-sustained, self-self-self. And so I'm sure that he was a top A personality. I haven't dug into that. But I know that I relate to Peter in ways. I can get in the habit of saying yes to too many things. Even things that God's not really leading me in, I'm just a yes man. Like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Sign them up. Invite them over. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't know. Some of you are listening. You're the complete opposite of that. The fact that you would change your schedule a minute amount just totally throws you off and gives you anxiety. Absolutely not. So I don't know where you're at on that, but I know that following Christ, there has to be a balance there. We have to be flexible for what God has for us. So somebody needs to hear that right now. We have to be flexible to walk in what God has for us. It's not going to be some planned out, thought out ordeal. Um, it just, it, it isn't. You can't show me in scripture where everybody knew the plan that, that God had for them. No, they had to trust and submit to that plan. And it's okay for God to transform your day. It's okay. And so sometimes we change churches or we change cities or we change jobs or we adopt children or we we go through change and transformation and evolution and we um different seasons we go through different things and so it's okay to submit to that and be like you know what this isn't really what I had planned I'm sure right now you can think of plenty of times in your life where you're like yeah this isn't what I thought it was going to be and to know that that's okay as we we go into the life of Peter it was nothing short of that Definitely change in plans whenever he came across Jesus. He was not a, he was a Jewish man, but he was not necessarily a follower of, he obviously wasn't a follower of Christ because Christ just came. But as far as, we're going to talk a little bit about his brother, Andrew. So Andrew was a follower of John the Baptist. If you don't know anything about scripture, John the Baptist was kind of a preacher, basically. Um, He was a cousin to Jesus that prepared the way, meaning this man would just, evangelized saying Christ was coming come repent he baptized people and he would say Jesus is coming for one comes after me that'll baptize you with fire and so people were looking for the Messiah it had been so many years right hundreds and hundreds of years before God had even spoken to the people even through a prophet so you got a people the Jewish people that were on the lookout like they're looking for something right they're waiting for something they know that it's coming 
Then John the Baptist comes out and he's like, hey, look, it's here. Kingdom of God is near. And so as we kind of talk about that in the contending part, we need to know that our spirits need to be ready also. Our spirits need to be looking for whatever it is. We need to be expectant. We don't need to be weary and dreary and no purpose at all. We need to be active in our faith, contending for it, knowing that God has a purpose he's going to fulfill through us because that's why he created us. And so, but it might not look like we think it's going to look. Um, a few months ago, me and Wesley actually listed our house for sale. And there was absolutely not one single reason why we put it for sale. <laughs> like we we ended up, God blessed us enough to pay for quite a bit of things in our land and our, our a bunch of other assets. And so, but we had financed our house and it was a great interest rate, like 2% interest rate, which is absolutely heard of right now in this market. So it was just, and it was all a God thing. Like that testimony is for another day. But we had made some not so good decisions financially, racked up a bunch of credit cards. Our son had a bad accident. And so we were just in a lot of debt. So the first house that we had and owned, Wesley bought right before when we were started dating. So we sold that and we bought the land that we have now. We lived in a teeny tiny 800 square foot apartment with two kids, actually had my daughter in there. And we joke around because we didn't even have a bathtub in that apartment. We only had a shower. And so she only bathed in a kitchen sink until she was two years old. So that's funny. But anyway, so we we lived very moderate for a while so that we could build our forever home is what we would call it. It's our forever home. And we would, the kids would go to bed and we would run wire and Wesley insulated it. We put in a ton of work on our house, right? Because that was the plan that we we had. And so a few months ago, Wesley had it laid on his heart that we were going to put our house for sale. And I'm like, in there, no, we're not. Like our church is here. I own a business here. Our families are here. What are we doing? He was like, I don't know. I just feel like God's saying that if we could sell this, blah, blah, blah. So being the awesome, super supportive wife that I am, not, I argued tooth and nail over it. But I was like, you know what? If this is God's will, it's God's will. He's he's that powerful. Like, it's not going to sell, but it's not supposed to sell. By the way, our house is not sold. Don't think that it will. Don't really want it to. Um, but I just think about that. Like, what does that look like? Sometimes we're like, we don't really know. We don't really know. And all these people who act like they do know, I would love to know how you are so discerning. Because I believe when it comes to contending for our faith, having the answer of I don't know is okay. Because that shows that my faith is not in me and my my pen and paper. My faith is in God. And I don't know what he has for us, but I know that I'm willing to submit to it. And I know that I'm going to be blessed because of it, because I know the Father that he is. Okay? So I give you all that to line up Peter because Peter was in a I don't know predicament. Okay? He was in a I don't know predicament. All he did was hustle and bustle doing what he did know how to do, and that was being a fisherman. So the first encounter that Jesus has with Peter is actually because his brother brought him to him. I said earlier, his brother Andrew was a father of John the Baptist. Therefore, he knew the prophecies that were coming, right? He's following this guy that's talking about Jesus, and he meets Jesus while he's with John the Baptist. After he meets Jesus, he takes Peter to him. So he comes to him. He's like, look, man, I I found the Messiah. I found the Messiah. And you can read all this if you want to in John chapter one, verses 35, starts in verse 35. But I think about what that must have looked like for someone who's desperate, someone who has heard of, of the Messiah their whole life. They're waiting, they're wanting this knight in shining armor to come deliver the people, but he's desperate. 
And then his brother, someone who he loves, someone that knows his circumstance, leads him to him. So I want to ask you, what does your testimony like that look like? Maybe you met Jesus on your own. Maybe you grew up in church, you know, but never really truly met Jesus on a personal, intimate level. I'm talking intimate as in confession. I'm talking intimate as in repentant. Of saying, you know what? I've heard that you're a savior, but I met the savior today. I met him for myself. That's where Peter was at in John chapter one. He's like, I, I see, I've been introduced to you. But then he gets to know him for himself in these verses that we're going to read. So I want to just start there. Um, after he ends up being with meeting him for the first time, Jesus actually comes to their house and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. So now not only did he hear of Jesus, he met Jesus, but now he saw Jesus work. Now he saw the benefits of Jesus. Now he saw the miracles of Jesus. And I want to tell you what, Jesus is constantly waiting on us to be a miracle. I saw a shirt at a coffee shop a few months ago in Waco that I loved it because it says we are a vessel for a miracle. And we truly are. We are a miracle in itself. Just human life. If you've ever had a baby, come on, like you know. And I just think about how miraculous our lives are just as born-again believers. To know that we get to inherit a kingdom that we have never even seen, that's awesome. So he goes, he meets him. Now Jesus is in his home. Do you allow Jesus into your home? Would you, if Jesus said right now, hey, I'm going to be there about three o'clock, have the door unlocked, would you be like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, that's, he's supposed to inhabit us and inhabit our places that we're surrounded with. So keeping going on further from that, whenever he ends up calling um, him to be a disciple, he doesn't ask Peter to be a disciple until after those things had taken place. It wasn't like, boom, he met Peter out of nowhere and said, come follow me. They had established connection there. Okay. We'll read all that in the gospel of Luke. And so I get to thinking about now I call you to be a disciple. But before he does, Peter is in the boat. He's fishing. He knows how to fish. Jesus was a carpenter, not a fisherman. And what he does is he comes to him and he's like, hey, I want to take your boat out so I can start speaking to some people. Scripture says there was a multitude of people. Y'all, there's always going to be a witness when Jesus walks into something. That's the goal of the testimony. It might not be immediate. It might not be a, a crowd, a multitude of people watching you in the now, but you better know when you have a testimony one day, it's for the masses because that's the benefit of it. And so anyway, back to it. Jesus comes to him. He's just washing his net. Didn't catch any fish, but he's washing his net. He's in the, he's in the position to be prepared to catch some later on. He's washing his net. And Jesus is like, hey, I want to get in your boat. And I want you to take your fishermen, right? They've established connection. He ends up going out a little way so that he could preach and project to speak to the multitudes. He picked Peter's boat. He picked a fisherman that had been fishing all night that was now washing his nets. I'm sure wanting to kick a bucket because, I mean, let's think about your bad attitude all the time because things are hard, right? He's going through a hard time. He's desperate. And Jesus picks his boat to step into so that he can preach. And I'm telling y'all right now that oftentimes Jesus picks our boat to step into so that he can preach. And it's all about us allowing him to do that, of saying, you know what? I don't have anything to use. Peter didn't own a synagogue. 
Peter didn't have a platform. Peter didn't do anything. All Peter did is he was a fisherman. And Jesus said, let me step into that and I'm going to let it preach. So oftentimes we disregard our, our circumstance, or our financial status, or our what we do for a living and think Jesus can't preach from it. But I'm going to tell you what, that's not who he is. Our God is a God that uses what we have as his resources because he gave them to us in the first place. No matter how big or how small our fleshly eyes might look at that, God is big. So Jesus steps into the boat. Jesus preaches. And then Jesus says, hey, look, Peter, let's go out and throw these nets out. And he calls him something that just stood out to me like no other. He calls him master. He says, master, we've been fishing all night, but by your word, we'll go throw the nets out. And I was like, how's he going to call this man master when he hasn't become a disciple yet? I'll tell you why. Because he believed. Peter knew that he made Jesus the Lord of his life before he had a mission to do in his name. When he said, master, I'll do it at your word, that was an obedient thing. He could have been like, dude, I know how to fish. You know how to build chairs and tables. I'm telling you, we're not going to catch anything, but he didn't. That was an act of faith. He said, you know what? You are my Lord and I'm going to act in faith because you told me to. That is a huge, huge, huge act of obedience. The rest of the story goes, they catch a bunch of fish, not only for them, but for their partners, right? So now everybody's got fish on fish on fish on fish. Everybody's reaping the blessing of Peter's obedience. That's exactly how it goes for us, guys. You may not see it, but just throw the net out anyways. You may think that it's nothing but just a little boat that you've been out all night and you've tried and tried and tried and tried and nothing has worked. But God says, I'm telling you, just throw it out. So I want to establish that connection because that seems like, wow, happily ever after story, right? Like Peter's lost. He's desperate. Damsel in distress. Jesus comes, saves the day. They got all the fish. Boom, let's have a party and we're done. After that, Jesus says, Come and follow me. I will make you fishers of men. He used a language and a term that Peter knew. God is not going to call you to do something that is totally, absolutely confusing to you. Okay? Now, I may be stepping out in faith. I'm not saying that. But absolute confusion is something that God is just not about. So he uses a term of like, now I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. What he was going to cast out was going was gonna to bring in something totally different than what he was used to. So we keep going on further from that. And now I really want to point out some things. There's a story all throughout the Gospels um, of Peter, different things that Peter was able to do. He was sent out. He healed all the things. Um, as you go through Scripture too, the character of Peter, like I said earlier, is very bold. It was very in your face. It was very... And so I want to point out a few things real quick because he, uh, in Matthew 16, 21, Jesus actually rebukes Peter and actually calls him Satan. So I'm going to pull that up because I don't want to just be, I don't want to just be paraphrasing that. So I'm going to pull that up and then we're going to get to the denial. But on this episode today, y'all, we're going through the evolution um, because I feel like there's a lot of people in the church today, um, including myself at times, that we can get to where we're like, man, I was all good with God. And then what? 
And so as, as we talk about contending for our faith, we need to see and read about a man that did have to contend for his faith. And then he preaches to, for us to do it also. But when I read those verses in Second Peter a few weeks ago here on one of these episodes about contending, I wanted to know why Peter had the authority to talk about contending because he had lived it. And so as we unpack these today, I hope that it serves as a reminder to you that God's not done with you even when you think he is. God is not done with you even when you think he's done with you. You're going to mess up. You're going to get it wrong. You're going to say some things that you shouldn't have said. You're going to make some moves through business or through relationships that you shouldn't have made. But God is not done with you when you think he is. He is not done with you until he takes you up to glory. So back to it. Here we go. Matthew 16, 21 through 23 says, From that time, Jesus began to show um, to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes to be killed and raised on the third day. So he's telling them, like, look, guys, we got to get to Jerusalem because this is about to go down. Here's Peter's response. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far it be from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. So he's hearing some things that are hard to hear. He's like, no, I'm not going to let nobody come and, and the chiefs and the scribes and, and all the religious leaders. I'm not going to let them do that to you. You're not going to die. And Jesus' response was to, he rebuked Jesus. And Jesus in turn rebuked him. And he said, I rebuke you, Satan, because Jesus knew the path to the cross. Jesus knew God's will. And Jesus will always rebuke what is not God's will. But I want to ask you, we live in this la-la land as Christians and this whole contending thing. We think that being a Christian is just going to be easy. And if it's, it's something's pressing against us, this isn't God. I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus being crucified on a cross was very much pushed against him. But he did it anyways. It was uncomfortable. It was hard to hear. It was hard to go through. But he did it anyways. He still contended because he knew that it was the will of God. But we want to throw up our hands and be like, no, 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 I'm not going to let that happen. And I feel like right now, Jesus in the past has even rebuked me of being like, hold up. I have purpose in this. Just because you don't see the good in it doesn't mean I'm still not going to use it. The cross was not a good thing, but it was because God used it. And so sometimes we want to step around in the middle of things, guns ablazing, because we want peace, Right? But God's will in that moment was not peace. And we assume that it's supposed to be for us. He gives us peace through those storms as we focus on him. But that brought a whole new reality to me. I'm like, here we go. This dude, this fallen, he's a disciple. He's like, OG, doing the thing. But he messed up because he wasn't in sync with God's will. So that's a hard conversation. I don't know how you would feel if Jesus rebuked you, but I know that he does all of us. Um in ways that I don't even know that we really observe. But I pray through just communication with him that we understand and that we our desires become his desires. That's what I'm praying for anyway. So back to the change and shift here, evolution of Peter. So he gets introduced by him. He starts seeing miracles by him. He, he calls him master and follows him. After following him, now he's literally side by side with Jesus and he ends up getting rebuked by him. Okay. In Luke 22, 55 through 60, so if you are looking through this, all, all my people on YouTube here, um, as you follow in your scripture, you're just going to go a few verses down from that. 
And I'm going to read this because this is actually Peter's denial of him. So you got a guy who just on the other, the left side of our page here said, no, 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 I'm not going to let anybody do that to you. That's not going to happen, Lord. He ends up being the same guy that denies him. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. So he's lurking. Okay. They've taken Jesus on. They've arrested him. And Peter's lurking. Now, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow was with him. For he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. So in this, exactly what happened, Jesus actually told him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter was like, What? But I'm going to tell you, more than this actually coming true, when Peter got, did get back right, do you think he's going to really believe more into what Jesus said? Because he saw evidence of it with his own self. And I'm going to tell you, y'all, there's nothing more powerful than experiencing the word of God come through. There's nothing more empowering from the Holy Spirit that when something is told to you or something is a promise of God you're made aware of or a prophetic word comes to you and it comes true, you take that so much serious in the future. So much more serious in the future. I mean, when you take God at his word, mind you, way back when, when he said, put out the net, he said, at your word. So this is just making more of a severe case of how true, if Jesus says it, it's going to happen. If God breathes it, it will come to pass. Unfortunately, on this side of it, Peter was at fault here. He did deny Christ three times. He said, I don't even know who that is. So, story goes on, and we're going to get here. I know this is a lot of scripture. If you're just listening, I pray that it is totally speaking to you, and we're not going to break it up. But I'm going to follow this now by reading to you something in John. John 21, 15 is so, so, so important. Um, there's some verses that if we did have longer to kind of unpack, I would bring apart to you. Um, in 1 Corinthians 15, 5, it just reiterates that after Jesus was resurrected, Peter ran. He was the first one to come. He was waiting. He knew that if Jesus said it, it's going to happen. And Jesus said he was going to rise on the third day and come back. It's going to happen. And he was longing and looking and expectant with desperation this time, but with a different desperation. This time he was desperate to make things right. He was desperate to see him again and just say, I'm so sorry that I denied you. I'm so sorry that I let myself and my pride and my control and my domineering actions to get in the way of your will. And Peter truly transformed who he was from the moment he met Christ to the end of his life. And it just, it gives me such hope to know, man, you know how many times I've denied Christ? Maybe I didn't straight up say, I'm not a Christian. But did I deny him by the curse words coming out of my mouth? Did I deny him by the gossip coming out of my mouth? 
Did I deny him by the alcohol I was throwing back? Did I deny him by the music I was listening to? Did I deny him by lies and theft? And, you know, all these things that we literally is a part of our daily life and entertainment. They deny Christ. The hate that we have for people denies Christ. So Peter might have denied him by saying he didn't know him and he wasn't with him, but we do too. So as we read this, these verses in John 21, please allow it to speak to you and do exactly for you whatever it's supposed to. John 21, 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, so this is after, okay? This is after he is with him and he comes back. After they eat breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs. Then he said to him a second time, Simon, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said it to him a third time. I'm going to tell you, what would it be like in a group full of people? They're all eating breakfast. And Jesus asks you this and reiterates it, okay? He's starting to feel embarrassed at this point. He said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. So he ends up telling them what's going to happen at the end of his life. If you want to keep reading about Peter, you can totally see how he was crucified also, but upside down because he wasn't worthy enough to be crucified like his Christ. But I'm going to tell you, he asked him that three times. Three times he denied him. Three times we sin. Three times grace covers us because of the blood of Jesus. That is the payment for that. But I want to point out a few more things. You know, when I said earlier, his purpose was he was hustling, right? He knew what he knew how to do. But now Jesus gives him another purpose. He says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. A sheep is what we are as children of God. Our pastors, our leaders, you as a teacher or preacher, if you have kids, whoever you, you serve in a shepherd role at some capacity. Tend the sheep. Feed the sheep. You know, like this gave him a whole another set of purpose. And Peter's the one that started the first church. He said, on you, I name you stone. I name you rock. Peter had a name change. And right now he's understanding what that was. Jesus might give us a new purpose. Jesus might change our plans. Nothing about fishing was said in that. I didn't hear anything anyway. The normal wasn't so normal anymore. Peter would go on and in the book of Acts chapter 4, I love that verse 413. It says that Peter and John were preaching and that the crowd was like, these men aren't even educated, but they sound real smart right now. And they marveled at their words. So how do we go from just a fisherman that denies their savior, who knows that he's their master, to a man that ends up being reconciled and the Holy Spirit through him makes people marvel. 
all because of Jesus. We could keep going on and on about the evolution of Peter, but I just feel like somebody really needs to hear today that God's not done with you like you think he is, but things might look a little different. And that's okay because he has purpose for you. Maybe you're somebody that you're just now met Christ. Maybe you're you're the Peter that just got introduced to him because of Andrew. And you're like, what does he have for me? He's going to show you. Just like he showed Peter at his mother with his mother-in-law. He's going to show you. And I pray that you do call him master and that you do follow him as a disciple that you're called to be. Maybe you've been discipling for a while. Maybe you've been a disciple of Christ. And maybe you just came up on a season where your actions are denying him more than three times. I want to tell you that he's all ready to, to ask you again, do you love me? And to show you that he has something good for you. And it makes me think about the story of the prodigal son. So if you want to read in scripture, I totally, totally suggest that you do. But it's, they were two brothers born of a wealthy, wealthy man. And one of them is like, hey, I want my inheritance early. He goes and spends it on wild women and gambling and God knows what else. And he turns his back and he runs away from his father. The other brother stayed. But I'm going to tell you, once he remembered who his father was and he comes back home, his father embraced him and celebrated with him that he came back home. And when I think about Peter being by the seat and breakfast and Jesus saying, do you love me? It's just like the father saying like, I'm glad you came back home. He knew that he loved him because God knows everything. And Peter knew that. He said, you know all things. Why are you asking me if I love you? You know if I do or if I don't, just like you knew I was going to deny you or I wouldn't. But one thing about the prodigal son is even when he was gone making a mess of his life, it didn't change the fact of who son he was. And the enemy can convince us, you've done all this. You're not really a Christian. You know how many times the enemies put that in my mind? If you really were a daughter of the most high, how could you be doing these things? It didn't change who my father was. My father's position does not change. That doesn't revoke that because of my actions. But I'm going to tell you what, something in us still longs for our father. Just come back to him. Just come back to him because he's waiting. And he's waiting to do just like he did to Peter and give you a different purpose. And to say, let me show you how I'm going to use this. Peter could relate to people that needed grace because he knew what it was like to have to receive it. He knew what it was like to be on one end and then come back. And let your story do the exact same thing. Let it, let it speak for itself so that other people might come back to the Lord. I want to leave you with this verse right here in James 5, 19. It says, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. I pray that we can be that for somebody. If we see somebody, allow the Holy Spirit through us to just bring them back. If that's you that's gone somewhere, just come back. Just come back because Jesus is waiting, Jesus is calling, and Jesus is going to use it all for his glory in a mighty way. I pray that you send this podcast to somebody so that it can encourage them. Hit us up on Facebook if, and let me know, message me to know if you got anything from this or if you have someone that you want me to pray for that you feel like is going through something like this, even if that's you. Um, I would love to just intercede for you and, and get to know you and to check on you and pray with you. Um, we do have some upcoming events, so if you will, go to impactoverinfluence.org just to kind of check that out and see what it was. We also have some merch that we have available if you just want to sew into this ministry or if you just want to give. We are a 501, uh, 501C, so um, that being a nonprofit, it'd be a write-off for you. 
I just want every single one of y'all to know like how much I appreciate just the fact that you listen today. And I just pray favor over you and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. And I encourage you that you can have a relationship with the one that created you. So spread Jesus. 